0: So, Pastor Matt asked me to share way back the start of the year. And at that time, um, the book of Ruth was really on my mind. Not really sure why. It's a lovely story, but I feel like God wanted me to look at it from a, a fresh perspective to see what he would have to say. So, we're going to do that tonight together. And the whole story, um, is only four chapters, but it takes about 20 minutes to read, so we'll, we're not going to do that tonight. I, I encourage you to go home and read it for yourself, but we're going to zoom in on particular verses and parts of it to see what God wants to say to us tonight. So, so when was this written? What, what was going on at this time? So the book of Ruth was written during the time of the judges, so all through the history of God's people, the Israelites and um, there was someone to lead them so this this story falls between when joshua um, died and before samuel the prophet samuel and the rise of king saul so this was sort of an in-between time and to be honest it's not a good time in the history of god's people it was a time of failure they fail god time and time again they would sin and god in his justice would hand them over to an enemy and then they would cry out for mercy and then god in his mercy would raise up a judge deliverance would be given and a season of peace would happen until they repeated the cycle. Rinse and repeat over and over. So it's a dark time. It's a time of failure. And we have this story of Ruth And I I think Ruth, this story of Ruth, gives us a glimpse into sometimes unseen or hidden works of God, even in the worst of times. And I don't know about you tonight, maybe this is a great time in your life, and that's amazing. We want to celebrate that with you. But maybe this feels like the worst of times. This feels like you're coming up against something every day, something new is hitting you. And tonight, God wants to do something significant. He wants to remind you that even in the worst of times, he is still God. He is still in control and he is still working for his glory and therefore for our good. And even when you think he's furthest from you or even turned his back towards you, God wants to remind you that he wants to move in your life if you give him an opportunity. So let's zoom in on the people we meet in Ruth. Let's meet a few of the characters so the passage will come up in front of you, and it's just five verses right at the start of Ruth in chapter one, and it says, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife, and his two sons. The name of the man was Imalek, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrodites Ephr- 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 from, Beth- from Bethlehem and Judah. They went to the country of moab and remained there but emilek the husband of naomi died she was left with her two sons these took moabite wives the name of one orpah and the name of the other ruth they lived there about 10 years and both malin and chilean died so that the woman naomi was left without her two sons and her husband so first off we meet this woman called naomi and her family and they were god's people they were israelites but we see that she didn't have it easy she faced tragedy after tragedy first there's a famine in her homeland there's not enough food so that forces the entire family to leave where they know and what they know, and to live in a pagan land and that land did not worship their god it didn't respect his holy laws at all and then naomi's husband dies then her sons marry moabite women which was against god's command and then both of her sons die so to say this is a hard time in Naomi's life would be a complete understatement and I don't know what your life looks like right now maybe it feels like day after day there's new worries there's new trials and I want you to know that God's word never ever promises that that will stop it never promises that we'll have a life free of worry or free of trials but it does promise that he's working in the midst for his glory And he's entirely sovereign over Naomi's life that we'll see and over yours so what does Naomi do she's she's no husband she's lost her husband she's no sons she's in a land that she doesn't belong in but God is doing something in her story and in verse 6 of chapter 1 it says that the Lord visited his people and gave them food so she decides I'm going to go back I'm going to go back to Judah where I belong so she takes her two daughters-in-law Ruth and Orpah and begins to go back But then it seems just had a change of heart. She tries to persuade them to go back home. And in verse 11, 11 and 13, um, it says that Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they will become your husbands? Then in verse 13, she says, No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. So she basically tells them, I have nothing for you, I have nothing to offer you. Uh, If you're going to come with me, I have no husband, I have no sons, I'm old, I can't provide for you. And if you come with me, you're going to have a life of pain and of bitterness. But Ruth insists, in verse 16, Ruth says, Don't urge me to go to leave you or return from following you, for where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. And sometimes we lose sight of what Ruth gave up to be faithful to Naomi. Ruth left her family. She was a Moabite woman. She grew up in Moab. Her mom and dad would have been there. Her whole family would have been there. She even gives up the pagan gods that she worshipped her whole life to worship the one true God and to go back with Naomi to the land of Judah. So Naomi's life was full of tragedies and trials and this led to a bitterness a bitterness of heart that blinded her from seeing god's blessing and in chapter 1 in verse 20 naomi actually says don't don't even call me naomi which means pleasant or sweet she says call me mara mara means bitter. for the almighty has dealt bitterly with me i went away to moab full, and the lord has brought me back here empty don't call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. You see, Naomi's trials that she went through caused her to have such a bitterness of heart that blinded her. Her perspective wasn't on the right things. She needed to, to have a change of perspective to see God's blessing. We actually see in verse six, God provided food to end the famine. It was God who gave her away out of the pagan land of Moab. They even arrived in Bethlehem at the start of the harvest, like God's blessings were abundant. It was God who gave Naomi Ruth. So she said, I went away empty, I came back here empty, I have nobody, I have nothing. That wasn't true. God gave her Ruth a faithful companion that wouldn't leave her even when time got hard. And even despite all of this, her bitterness of heart had just blinded her, completely blinded her. And I wonder if her perspective had been different, if she knew the part that she was playing in the greatest story ever to be told. God had her back because he had a purpose for her and her family. Do you think it would have changed what she had thought if she knew what was ahead, that Ruth would have a son who would be the grandfather of the King David? And from that line of King David would come the saviour of the world and God wants to say to you tonight don't let bitterness of heart blind you to his blessing. If you're facing trials and your heart is heavy and I'm not diminishing that because there's some people in here who are facing really difficult times. If that's you, the Bible says to come and cast your cares upon him. Come to him, seek support, seek support, seek prayer from other people but also don't lose sight of the blessings that he has given you. Keep your perspective on him he's always working out his plan in your life always he's always orchestrating your life for his glory and we get to be a part of that whether that's in the best of times or when you're facing loss and tragedy and trial after trial he's not finished with you tonight and he has not forgotten you or left you alone So in chapter one, we see it's quite a dark picture. There's all these trials, there's all of these tribulations and tragedy. And in chapter two, we see Boaz. We get a glimpse of Boaz and learn a little bit more about who Ruth really is. And we're just going to read a couple of verses from chapter two, starting at verse eight. And it says, Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go into another field to glean or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping, and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said, Why have I found fever in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and your mother and your native land and come to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and full reward be given to you by the Lord of god of israel who under whose wings you have come to take refuge then she said i have found favor in your eyes my lord for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant even though i'm not one of your servants so we meet boaz and we'll explain a little bit more about that passage in a wee minute but we meet boaz And Boaz is um, a a bright light shining into this dark time, this this tragedy after tragedy, the bitterness of heart of Naomi, and then there's Boaz. And we're told that Boaz was a relative of Naomi's husband, who she seemingly had forgotten about, and that's significant, and we'll find out why later on. But he was, he was a worthy man, he was a wealthy man, he was successful, he had crops that were um, producing crops in a field. He, he, had a, he was a man of integrity, he allowed the poor to come and glean around the edges of the field. But he protects Ruth too, he didn't even know Ruth, but he protected her, provided for her, comforted her. He was a godly man, and all of these things are significant about Boaz that we'll see in a wee minute. But we also see more of Ruth's character here. Because up to this point, all we know is that she was from Moab and she left everything to go with Naomi. But we see that she's hardworking. She's lost her husband. She has no family, really. She's only got Naomi. But she was hardworking. She did what needed to be done. She took initiative. She found work. She found food. She provided for herself and Naomi. And she's so humble. She actually comes and asks Boaz's servants, can I just pick up your leftovers? Because I have nothing else. And she, she's not afraid to just keep doing what needs to be done and whenever I was reading that, like they're just going about their normal day-to-day life, they're just doing what needs to be done and I wonder if some people in here feel like this sounds like you, maybe you're just you're a good person, you don't have an awful lot of bad things going on in your life at the minute you work hard, you provide for your family, you protect them maybe you just focus on getting through the day and I don't know how Ruth would have felt in this, this season. Like, The Bible doesn't tell us any of this, so it's all just assumption. But um, if it were me, I think i had left my homeland. I've left my mum and dad to come to the land of Judah, the one true God. Surely this has to be for a big purpose. And then she finds herself picking up leftovers in a field day after day, just going through the motions. And I think for a lot of us, that can be a picture of our lives. We just go through the motions. We get up, go to work, come home, make the dinner, look after the family. And maybe for some of us, our whole life revolves around getting to watch that Netflix series at nighttime or getting to go to the pub for a wee drink. And I just wonder, like, is that what we do? Rinse and repeat over and over and over, go through the motions? And most of those are good things, like looking after your family, working hard, they're all good things. But you have to get to the point where you wonder, is that it? Like, is that it? Imagine if that was the end of her story. She just, she left everything. She went to the land of Judah with Naomi just to pick up leftovers and just survive. And tonight, are you just surviving? Are you just living to go to work? Are you just living for the weekend? Are you just living to watch that that series on Netflix? Can I suggest tonight, there's more to life. (laughs) There's more to life in God. God wants to to tell you that you have a purpose in Him. You're not here by accident. You're not here just to go through the emotions. He wants you to let let Him have your mundane moments and just let Him move in them. And Romans 12 tells us, um, in the message and um, paraphrase of the Bible, to take our everyday ordinary life, sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around, place it before God as an offering. And tonight I wonder, do you need to do that? Are you a good person? Life's been pretty good too. You've got a nice family. You've got a good job. got a nice house. That's not what your life is supposed to be about. God wants you to give him those mundane moments, those going to work, getting up, looking after your kids and bring them before him so that he can use you as a small part in his glorious plan. You see, behind your everyday moments, God is working and orchestrating for his glory. And that was you can see that in the story of Ruth. And in chapter Uh, In verse 3 of chapter 2, there's just one wee word that seems to be unimportant, but it has a massive significance, it says. So she set out and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. This isn't an accident, it's not a coincidence. She didn't just go out into the, the field one day and just bump into Boaz. We don't believe in accidents or coincidences. You see, God was orchestrating her story. Rose went out with a simple intention of getting by, getting enough food to survive that day. She had no idea of the significance that God was orchestrating in the background. This was the beginning of the turnaround in her life. This girl who is just humbly asking servants, can I pick up your leftovers, plays a part in God's story that we're still talking about today. The girl who lost her husband, the girl who gave up everything to follow Naomi would be a part in the line of not only the greatest earthly king that God's people would have, but also part of the line from which would come the king of kings, the savior of the world. And I wonder, what could God do with your life if you just gave it to him? What could God do in your life that maybe he's already started? You're here tonight because he orchestrated it. You're here tonight because he is in control of that. You're here tonight because he wants you to come to him. He's working and orchestrating the background while you're just going about your day. And I wonder if we're maybe just lean into the Spirit a little bit more and ask God, oh, what do you want me to do today? What are you doing in my life today? What our days and months and weeks would look like? And you see, the story sort of finishes with this sense of completion. God's book plan is becoming evident. So we said at the start that Boaz was a relative of Naomi. Boaz was a worthy man, a godly man, a man of integrity. A wealthy man he could provide for her. Boaz was what was known as a kinsman redeemer. And a kinsman redeemer... This is a term that we're not used to today, but back then it was a male relative who helped a weaker relative who was in need or danger. He avenged, he delivered, he rescued, and he redeemed. And in this story uh, of Ruth, her husband was gone. She was faithful to Naomi. She was working morning to night just to survive. But at this time in history, a woman with no husband or no one to provide for her didn't have social standing. She couldn't go out to her local Tesco and get a job. She couldn't go and get a house to provide for her family, for somewhere to live. She just she couldn't do it. It wasn't possible. She needed help. She needed rescued. And in chapter 3, Boaz um, goes and she tells him, I need you. She says, Ruth came softly and uncovered his feet and laid on. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your garment over your servant for you are our Redeemer. And Boaz agrees, and I don't have time to go. There's a whole lot in, in Ruth, and I really encourage you to go and do a study on it. But after some turn and fro and other people getting involved, we finally see in chapter four that Ruth and Boaz were married. And they had a son who would become the grandfather of king david who was a forerunner to jesus and we see this sense of completion coming full circle naomi left moab and came back to judah and said i call me better i have nothing the lord has gone out against me he's brought me back empty but then in Ruth four fourteen, the women of Judah said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in all of Israel. You see, Naomi and Ruth were in a situation where they were just doing all they could to get by. They were doing all the right things. They'd suffered so much, so many trials. And I, I just wonder, like, there's so many people in this room who've been through so much. You feel like God's just forgotten about you. You feel like God couldn't care less about you. Or maybe you even feel like he's against you. Or maybe you just feel like, I'm so tired of just living for tomorrow. Just living to get by. One thing after another. And you think, if we get past that, if we get those results out of the way, I'll be alright. If we get past this trial, I'll be alright. But tonight, like Naomi and Ruth, we are in need of our Redeemer you see he is our redeemer jesus is our redeemer and i wonder if you've ever thought of yourself in light of god and sometimes in fact we need to do this because in this world we're told we're entitled to everything we're entitled to have everything and everything that we think is truth is true and we have our own truth and we can live by that and that we are the lord of our own lives we control our destiny but God in his word in Exodus 15:11 says, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Our God is so holy tonight. He is righteous. He is awesome in glorious deeds. There's no one like him, no one at all on the earth. And then there's us. We fall short. We don't have this holiness. We can't be as holy as God. We have this problem of sin and if you haven't been around church too much and you've heard this word sin it describes the fact that we will never live up to god's standard we all fall short it applies to all of us we won't live up to his holiness we're not righteous in our own right we mess up we're slaves to sin day after day we belong to the dominion of darkness but you see there's a verse in romans chapter 5 verse 8 that says but god But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were in our mess. We were in our tragedy after tragedy. We were feeling like we were battered from every side. We were feeling like God forgot about us. But God, he sent Jesus to die for us. He sent Jesus as our Redeemer. And the word redeem means to win back to free from what harms, to free from captivity by payment of ransom, to release from blame or debt. And I just want to finish sniper, by telling you that Jesus did all of those things for you. We were all lost in darkness. All of us, we all belonged to the darkness. We all were, were lost in our sin. He won you back from the dominion of darkness. He defeated the enemy. He defeated the grave. We're told that the enemy's intention is to steal and to kill and destroy. And I wonder in here, is there someone whose life has, the the enemy's stolen your joy, the enemy's stolen your purpose, the enemy's stolen the soundness of your mind, the enemy's stolen your health tonight. But Colossians 1.13 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought brought us into the kingdom of his Son. You see, you had a price your pay, on your head that needed paid. You had a ransom that needed paid in order to be free from that dominion of darkness or sin. And you can't pay it, I can't pay it. There's nothing you can do to earn it, to pay for that ransom, to get out of it on your own merit. But tonight, Jesus paid that ransom for you in full. You see, we talk about the cross all the time. And in the lead up to Easter, you'll hear so much more about it. And he was, Jesus came as the perfect son of God and was crucified on a cross for you to pay that ransom for you. Three days later, he rose from the dead and he overcame sin, death, and the grave to release you from the debt you owed. And just as i'm saying that tonight maybe there's someone in here and you're afraid you're afraid of death the thought of it fills you with dread tonight jesus defeated that jesus defeated that fear you don't have to die tonight you can live eternally with him he is offering you freedom from your sin he is offering you rescue from those the feeling and the burden of your trials he is offering you freedom from the darkness He is your redeemer tonight. And tonight, whether you like it or not, you'll make a decision. You'll make a decision, if you don't know Him, to either accept Him or to reject Him. And I urge you, just think about that tonight. Think about what He has done for you. Think about what He can offer you. He loves you. He has a purpose for you. It doesn't guarantee that we won't go through hard times. Naomi went through the toughest of times. She'd lost everybody she'd ever loved but god but god looked after her god used her in a mighty way and you see in the book of ruth god was always in control even in the midst of the most terrible times he was working he was interested in ruth naomi and boaz and if you cast your mind back this was the time of judgment for the whole of the israelites all of god's people were failing over and over and over again But God used Ruth, God used Naomi, and he was interested in them. He's interested in you tonight and he has a purpose for you. He's in control, whether it seems like the world is against you or you're just so tired of feeling like this is all for nothing. You have no purpose. This is all just for nothing. He wants to help you tonight. He wants you to choose him. He wants to help you with your burden. He wants to show you the purpose you have in him. And tonight, all you have to do is give him a chance to work. My time is up, and the worship team are going to come up, but I just want to pray tonight. I just want to pray and I encourage you if there is something that's said speak to someone after because this is important this is real God is real tonight Jesus is real this story is real and sometimes we read these stories in the Bible and we sort of get into the mindset that they're just characters they're just characters like in a novel Ruth existed Ruth is real and when we get to heaven we'll meet her one day and we can hear all about how she felt and what she's seen and what happened in her story so tonight it's real you need to make a decision. So let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your work. God, thank you for the fact that you're interested in us. Thank you, God, that even in the worst of times, the darkest of times, you were interested in Ruth and Naomi, Father God. And I pray, God, for those who are feeling really down at the minute, God. I pray, God, for those who have a bitterness of heart, not through their own fault, but through just being battered and bruised from every side. God, I pray you would give them a fresh perspective to see your blessing in their life. God, you are with them. You are caring for them. You are holding them up. You are providing for them. And God, I just pray that you would help them see that. We pray for those who feel like they're just going through the motions. I pray, God, that You would give their mundane to you and let you move in it, Father God. I pray for those who feel like it's all for nothing, like I just, I just live to work. Father God, I pray that you would open their eyes, that life does not need to be that way. Ruth was just getting by and yet you used her to be a part of your story that we are still talking about. You used her in a line for your son to come to earth. Thank you God for that. and Thank you that you're our redeemer tonight God. And pray for those who don't know you Father God. I pray, God, that they would come to know you tonight, that they wouldn't reject you, God, that you won them back, that you can free them from sin, you can free them from the dominion of darkness tonight, Father God, and I pray, God, that they would just give you an opportunity to move. So Father God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for church, God. Thank you for this family that we can get to do life together, God. So I pray that you would just bless us, bless our weeks, God. Help us to keep you on our mind. We ask all these things in your name and for your glory. Amen.